coffee isn't just a drink, it's who you are. We are Little Green Hive, and we're here to serve that perfect cup of coffee made just for you. We're women-owned and locally sourced. Our mission is to provide the best product for our customers, as well as strengthen our community. From fair trade coffees and teas, to breakfast, lunch, and smoothies, we have everything you need to start your day off right. And now serving our spring drinks. Come visit us in downtown Roanoke, Grandin Village, and Daleville Town Center, Little Green Hive, because coffee is personal. Hey everyone, real quick, we just want to thank all of you who voted for Hometown Stories and the Roanoke Magazine's Best of 2023 edition for Best Local Podcast. You, the listeners, awarded us gold. That's awesome. Really, we appreciate each and every download. Did you know you can also rate our show and leave a review? It helps us share the stories of our hometowns with even more people across the country and around the world. After you listen to today's episode, consider leaving us a review, rating the show, and subscribing. Okay, now let's get back to the episode. Have you ever found a tick on you after hiking or doing yard work? What about your dog? The little critters are small but mighty, and a dedicated team at Virginia's Department of Health is intent on tracking not only the prevalence of certain types of ticks, but the diseases that they carry. Dr. David Gaines, a public health entomologist, and Joshua Bertelik, a vector-borne disease epidemiologist, join me for a discussion on all things tick. In this episode of Hometown Stories, we help you identify ticks, prevent them, and if you need to, properly remove them. And heads up, Grandpa's way may not be the most effective. Our conversation originally aired on the WDBJ7 Plus digital news desk. So let's get started first of all with some basic tick education. They're known to carry diseases. What can you tell us about the ticks here in Southwest Virginia and our region and some of the diseases that they're known to carry? Well, in, in the Roanoke region, probably the most common cause of tick bites uh, in suburban forests would be the Lone Star tick. Uh, that's kind of a brownish colored tick. Uh, the adults have, uh, are larger than the nymphs, but the nymphs cause a lot, of the, a lot of the bites in the early part of the season, May or June. Adults later on in the summer. And uh, the adults are uh, recognizable. They're, they're brown also for the most part, but they may have some light colored cream, uh, cream colored uh, spots on their back. Uh, the female has a single large uh, cream colored spot in the middle of her back, which is why they call it the Lone Star Tick. Hmm. Interesting. Has nothing to do with Texas. <laughs> I feel like that's a misconception or that it has, you know, a, a star on it. So that's good to know. And May is typically when we start to talk about ticks, it being tick season. Does that have to do with the weather, it warming up? What is What do we know about their life cycle? Yes. Well, uh, the May is when uh, when the ticks become active. The, the, uh, the NIV stages are active at this time of year. They are small and uh, they are easily uh, overlooked, especially the black-legged ticks. They are very tiny um, and uh, their bites don't itch. So if one feeds on you and it may feed on you for two or three days, well long enough to transmit a disease and you'll never know it was there because it'll drop off and you won't feel it. But Lone Star ticks, their bites uh, fortunately itch a little bit 
Um, and that gives you a clue that there might be something there and you go to scratch the itch and you feel the tick and you remove it. Um, uh, both of these ticks can transmit diseases to you if they've been uh, attached for up to uh, 12 to 24 hours. Uh, there are diseases that either one of them can transmit within a day or two, such as the heartland virus transmitted by Lone Star ticks. They can transmit that in, in a few minutes of feeding. And the Powassan virus, which is carried by black-legged ticks, they can transmit that also within a few minutes of attaching. That's surprising. I don't think I realized how quickly they could transmit something like that. When it comes to the severity of some of those illnesses, what's the scale that you're typically looking at as far as, again, the severity of the virus or disease which they could transmit? Well, certainly Lyme disease can be severe, but it doesn't cause fatalities. Um, and it is treated with antibiotics. But if it's not treated in time, it may cause some long-lasting uh, symptoms. Uh, ehrlichiosis is uh, um, also a, a serious illness and, in fact, may cause fatalities or hospitalizations in people who are either elderly or did not take antibiotics in time. It can be a severe illness, but it also responds well to antibiotics and is treatable. Um, things like the Heartland virus and the Powassan virus are severe illnesses. Uh, uh, the heartland virus has symptoms very much like ehrlichiosis, but it's not treated by antibiotics. It's a virus, and viruses don't respond to antibiotics. Uh, Powassan virus has symptoms very much like West Nile virus, and it also does not respond to antibiotic treatment. Now, you study this at the Virginia Department of Health, and what we have up right now is a map on the distribution of ehrlichiosis cases in Virginia from 2008 to 2019. Looks like there are some areas of concentration in the state, but what can you tell us about what your data has shown you about the prevalence of this in Virginia? Well, uh, although Lone Star ticks can be found pretty much everywhere east of the Blue Ridge and in some places, uh, at lower elevation places along the Blue Ridge, they are mostly a low elevation tick. They do not tolerate severe winters. Um, and most of their, their populations are concentrated in suburban forests. And the reason for that is that deer are often most abundant in suburban forests and you cannot safely hunt deer in suburban forests because bullets uh, have a tendency of going a long way and having unintended consequences. So uh, if you are worried about ticks, first place you need to be worried about is your local suburban forest because both of these tick species, black-legged ticks, lone star ticks, they both meet and mate on deer and the females obtain a blood meal from deer, which they use to nourish the thousands of eggs they will lay. So these ticks are going to be most common in suburban forests. And that's where people need to be most on guard uh, against uh, uh, preventing tick bites. Are there any trends that you have seen in Virginia over the years that you have been studying ticks? Anything that's been surprising you or any trends as far as um, where they're going, how they're populating, how they're interacting with humans? Well, uh, in, in, in the case of both black-legged ticks and lone star ticks, they, they, the, the trend is the same. They are both most common and abundant in suburban forests because both of those ticks rely on deer. If you go to a, a rural countryside forest, 
those forests are often hunted by hunters and deer populations are relatively low. So uh, uh, that is certainly a pattern that we have seen with both of these tick species, common in suburban forests. We're going to talk in just a little bit about tick prevention, but mm -hmm. let's talk a little bit about tick identification too. I know that's some of the work that you all do at the Virginia Department of Health. Um, you know, let's say you find a tick on you. We're going to talk about how to remove it. Mm -hmm. um, but why is it important important to know? And maybe as I know, my first instinct would be to freak out mm -hmm. and get rid of it, throw it as far away from me as possible. But it's important to take a second and try and figure out which one it is, right? Yes, because each one of these tick species transmits different diseases. And if you know what type of tick bit you, it is easier for the doctor to try to figure out what the disease is that you've been exposed to if you come down with an illness. We'll get back to our conversation with Dr. David Gaines and Joshua Bertelik right after the break. Coming up on the next episode of Hometown Stories, we're taking you to a small farm in McDowell, Virginia with some big personalities. <laughs> Caring for small farm animals is a tall order. Carissa Malcolm is keeping a nine-generation farm alive with the care of abandoned, neglected, and abused miniature horses. It's just kind of a wonderful thing. Together, we take a tour of Allegis Mini Equine Sanctuary and meet some of the farm's big personalities. See you next Wednesday on the Hometown Stories podcast. So now we also have Joshua joining us right here on the WDBJ7 Plus digital news desk. Rabies and Vectorborn, I can't say all your Vector titles. Vectorborn Epi. Vectorborn Epidemiologist with the Virginia Department of Health. Joshua, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. So let's talk about tick removal because I learned something today. I fortunately, as far as I know, have never found a tick on me, um, but I'm going to be extra vigilant from now on. But let's talk about if I were to find a tick on me, what is the best way to remove a tick and why is it important? Very good question. Um, first and foremost, I do want to address a couple of things that I've heard in the past growing up. Uh, everything from using nail polish to Vaseline to a hot needle that you poke to get the tick to back out. Those are all methods that you should not use. Um, what you're doing is you're stressing the tick and you may cause a tick to regurgitate whatever it was feeding on back inside of you. And if it was carrying something, it could now be inside of you if you use those methods. The best thing to do is to use a pair of tweezers and get as close as you can to where the tick has bitten you on your skin and to grab onto it by the head and pull straight up with equal pressure until it lets go. And then from there, I will just add that it's always a good idea that if you are bitten by a tick, it is good to put it into a container full of rubbing alcohol or maybe even some vodka if you have that lying around and seal it up and hold on to it. As was stated with Dr. Gaines, who was on earlier, we can use that tick then to identify should symptoms appear. That's fascinating. And and I'm glad that you say this, because like I said just a moment ago, my first instinct would be to get that thing away. But I will be mindful of that from now on, especially when hiking. So I think the chart that people are watching on their screen right now is a really good, helpful indicator of what not to do and what to do. Um, 
Is there anything else, any other maybe technique that you have learned over the years that is going to help um, make this an easier, cleaner process, Joshua? So besides the uh, tick tweezers, they do make uh, what are called tick rings or tick keychains that do the same thing. It kind of looks like the backside of a hammer that you would use to pull out a nail. And you can also use that in the same way. You want to get as close as you can to the skin and get on the mouth and you can, it, it kind of acts as a lever and it will pop the tick off. So there does, the product also exists and it's out there, but since everybody has a pair of tweezers around, sometimes that's just the easiest thing to use. Yeah, that makes sense. I think another thing too that um, we maybe forget, I know that uh, my family dog, when my parents would visit me, um, we would try and check him for ticks, but he actually did get Lyme disease. Um, a, a veterinarian was able to diagnose him with that. Once he was, we figured out what it was, it was much, we were able to treat it and he was feeling so much better. But I think another important thing to talk about, it's not only your your personal health and safety, but also the dog, which is much trickier because they are usually have a lot more hair to have to search through. Any tips for, you know, if you take your dog out with you on your property or a hike or something like that? Absolutely. I mean, and first and foremost, the, the most important thing is to talk to your vet. So since we are in tick season two, you know, it's not us, only us being exposed to these ticks, it's your animal as well. So if you don't have some sort of preventive or preventative on your dog, such as, you know, something that you feed them or something that you put like the liquid that you put between the shoulder blades, the, uh, that little like toxic liquid that doesn't hurt them, but kills the ticks. Um, I would recommend doing that first. Um, so keeping a happy, healthy pet is very important. And just like us, when we said we do a tick check too, uh, you know, if your animal is in the same location in the woods that you were, and you notice there's ticks on you, guarantee you there's going to be ticks on your dog or the opposite. If you notice there's ticks on the dogs, there could be ticks on you. So it is always a good practice that when you get back from a wooded area, to check both yourself, your family members, your pets for ticks. Let's go over this again. What are the big highlights as far as like, before you go on that hike, before you walk in that property, what are you, what should we be doing, Joshua? The big thing is consider using some sort of repellent. So everybody knows what DEET is. Um, you know, we, we said that many years for uh, mosquito bites, that DEET helps repel mosquitoes. It also works for ticks. Um, I understand that some people may have an allergic reaction to DEET, you know, maybe some sensitivity. There are other products out there that can be used to repel ticks. One of them, which is a natural product called uh, oil of lemon eucalyptus. It might not be as efficient at keeping them away, but still something is better than nothing. Um, the big thing that really helps is the clothing uh, that we wear too. You know, as David mentioned, uh, utilizing our clothing to create a barrier. So making that, forcing that tick to, to crawl up higher and higher on our body. So one, we can notice it and remove it before it bites us, but we can actually take an extra step and pre-treat our clothing with uh, permethrin. And like I said, it causes the tick to travel a large distance before it reaches our skin and it will pick up a dose of permethrin and die. That's so fascinating. I typically always do wear big long socks when I'm hiking specifically for this reason. But now I'm thinking I might need to make sure that I tuck my pants into my socks too. That is a very good tip. Um, I'm just curious, Joshua, as you guys do this research, I mean, what is it for you? I can tell you both are super knowledgeable and very enthusiastic about sharing this information with the community. What drives you and continues to drive you in researching specifically ticks and just continuing public education? So what really drives me is the ability of taking the knowledge I've gained working in this position and sharing with everybody who's watching. 
Uh, I know a lot of times when you deal with scientific papers, uh, there are words that we don't understand. So being able to take those words and translate them and give it back to the community is what drives me in my field. I also grew up in an area and uh, I grew up in the New River Valley uh, and uh, I've seen uh, black-legged ticks, the ticks that can cause Lyme, come through and seen their effects. So I have a personal vendetta against them. And if I could uh, get rid of them all, I will. But the first step is to educate uh, because there is no current way to get rid of them all. So the next best step is to educate people about where they are, what they can do to you, and how you can prevent being bitten by them, or what to do if you are bitten by them. So that if you do become ill, you can get the best treatment possible, or you can just prevent yourself becoming ill in the first place. We do have the Virginia Tick Survey, which is um, a survey that you can fill out by accessing uh, the VDH website. And what we do is if you fill out the survey, please send us your ticks. We'll identify the ticks for you uh, down to species, and that way we can communicate with you what potential diseases that you may have been exposed to. I just want to make sure that everybody understands that that resource is out there and please use it. And, on, and additionally, the data that we collect from the survey goes back to the public. We uh, scrub it down to the point where all that's being reported is there was a tick found, what species of tick, what county and what date it was found. And we can provide that data back to the public so that you are now best informed what might be biting uh, people in your county. So please utilize that resource. Hometown Stories is a production of WDBJ7 in Roanoke, Virginia. This episode was written and produced by me, Leanna Scacchetti, and edited by Ben Roquelmi. We'll see you next time. Hometown Stories is sponsored by Little Green Hive, because coffee is personal. Locations in downtown Roanoke, Daleville, and Grandin.